Good morning, church family. Happy Easter. He is risen. Come on up, kiddos. Good morning, my kiddos. Have you guys had a good Easter so far? Yes. What's the most exciting thing about Easter? The egg hunt. The egg hunts? Not that big, white, fluffy thing that was around here? The bunny and the egg hunt and maybe the candy. I love everything. Jesus is the best part of Easter. You just read my notes, didn't you? That's right. So that we have all of these fun things that happen during Easter, right? The Easter bunny is a lot of fun, and we love the Easter bunny to death. And the Easter bunny brings us candy, and we get to do egg hunts, and we get to have fun times with friends. But that's not the most important part about Easter, right? The most important part about Easter we can find right here in this book called the Bible, and we can go to it, and we can read this story anytime, because you know what? The Easter story is recorded in four different books in the Bible. 
That's a lot of books. All four gospels, all four stories about Jesus' life record the last week of his life. Because, guys, that's the whole reason why he came to earth. Jesus, in the last week of his life, he went through some unbelievable trials. Some things that most human beings wouldn't be able to survive, really, or even just endure. We would all give up. But Jesus endured it and survived it for us. And on Easter morning, some of his friends go to his tomb to prepare his body to be buried properly. And when they get there, what happens? What do they find? The tomb is empty. That's right. They find that Jesus' body is gone, and they're in disbelief. Some, some of his disciples believe that the body's been stolen. They're afraid that somebody's taken it to be mean, right? It wasn't mean enough that Jesus had lost his life, but we needed to take his body also. And then some immediately believe that something miraculous has happened. And that's really the story of Easter, is that Jesus, miraculous means a miracle, it means something unbelievable is happening, something that a human alone cannot do. They need God's power to do, right? And that is really the true meaning of Easter. Jesus came for us, for each and every single one of us here today, and for everyone outside of these walls. And he lived a life as a human for us, each and every single one of us. He walked that terrible road the last week of his life, and he suffered, and he went through pain and death for us each and every single one of us, and for all of the wrong things that we have ever done in our lives, whether we went to do it or not, right? Sometimes it's easy to make mistakes. That little white lie about, yeah, mom, I cleaned my room, just comes out so naturally. I know, I've told it in my life too, right? But all of those times that we've done something wrong, we deserved the punishment that Jesus had, yet he came and he took that punishment for us. And then he did something that was almost unbelievable to his disciples, to the men who walked with him every day. He didn't just endure that suffering and take it for us. He beat it. He conquered it. He defeated it. And he rose from the dead. He kicked sin in the butt so we don't have to worry about it anymore. And we can have a relationship directly with him. And that is the true story of Easter. And no matter how you react to hearing the story of Easter, because everybody hears it a different way. Some people hear the story of Easter and they feel sadness for all the things that Jesus went through. Some people hear the story of Easter and they just don't believe that it's physically possible for a human to go through those things. So it can't possibly be true. It's just a story. Some people hear it and they are filled with wonder at how in the world was I loved so much that somebody went through that. Some people hear it and they immediately believe that Jesus did all of those things so that they could have eternal life with him. No matter what our reactions are to the story of Easter, the truth will always be the truth. The truth that Jesus came and he lived and he suffered and he died for each and every one of us. And then that he rose for us. That's the true story of Easter, and that's what we're going to focus on today. All right? Will you all pray with me before we go out to Spark Worship? Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and say, Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of your son and his unending love that conquered death for us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out the back for Spark Worship if you'd like to come to Children's Church. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow. It is to see all of you on this beautiful resurrection morning. And it is a beautiful morning. The birds are out there chirping. If you haven't heard them, you can, you can step right out there. Some of you are here at sunrise, and if you step 
just right out here to the north of the sanctuary, there are little birds tweeting, and it's great. So anyway, it's wonderful to see all of you here this morning. Praise the Lord. I want us to uh, continue to keep Mary Fay in our prayers. She's suffering some issues with her lungs, so we want to keep her lifted up. Oh, Lord, we pray. I want to lift up all of those who are in our congregation. We have several folks right now that are being uh, treated for various things. So I'll just, I'll just uh, lift all of them up. Oh, Lord, we pray. Uh, what are the rainbows and or rattlesnakes that we have to share this morning? You know, I think we are all just so blessed to be a part of this congregation Amen. and to be here today and able to worship. And that's all I got. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, we pray. I just want to say the cantata Friday evening was just absolutely magnificent. And I know that it's a lot of work and a lot of dedication from those that perform it. But they perform it in the love of Christ and the love of the congregation. And I just, how do you ever thank those that are so dedicated to give us something so beautiful? Amen. And as I've, you know, as, as I've said before, and I don't say enough, we are so blessed with all of our music department here. So uh, praise the Lord for that. All righty, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this beautiful, beautiful morning. We thank you for a day of new creation, a day of life, a day of mercy and goodness and joy. Lord, we, we lift up those we've named and many who are unnamed who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. We ask, Lord, that you would touch them uh, touch them, and make them whole. Lord, we, we lift up our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, wherever they may be. This morning, I would like to particularly lift up our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. I'd like to lift up our Christian brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. I'd like to lift up our Christian brothers and sisters anywhere on the globe as we all celebrate our Lord's victory over death and sin. Lord, I lift up those who are anywhere in the world where there is violence. I lift up those who don't have the basic necessities of life, clean water, plenty of food, and shelter. Lord, I ask that you would guide all of us with your Holy Spirit that we would do what we could to alleviate suffering anywhere we find it. Lord, I ask you would have guide us all, remind us this morning as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection that life is what 
you are all about life and goodness. Teach us to follow Jesus as he asks us to follow him. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I've got a sermon I'm not going to preach about the fact that, you know, the, the people that went to the tomb first thing in the morning were women. Shall I notice that, you know? None of the men were there. It was the women, right? And an interesting group of women, like I say, to do a study in sometime if you want to, but, but like I said, we won't this morning. But even though these women were faithful in going to the tomb on the morning of the third day, they took spices with them, right? They were going to finish giving Jesus a proper burial. That's what they were planning on doing. They thought he was still dead, right? They thought he, would, he was dead and he was going to be dead. You know, they'd, they'd listen to some of what he said, but the most important thing didn't sink in. Didn't sink in. They were going to do it their way. They were, they were, uh, were going to, uh, you know, like I say, finish the job. Because remember, they couldn't finish the job on the day Jesus was crucified because it was Passover, right? And what happens the first day after Passover? It's a Sabbath, right? And it was late in the day. He, uh, Jesus gave up the ghost about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so by the time they had gotten somebody to pile it and they'd agreed to let Joseph and Nicodemus, y'all remember Nicodemus, and some others take Jesus to the tomb, it was late in the day. So they didn't get to properly prepare his body for burial. This is the first important point for all of us to remember as the Scripture says, the Scripture here says, it doesn't say it's the first day of the rest of your life, but it said it was the first day of the week, which again is the same thing. It's a new beginning, a new start. As it tells us in Psalm 127, unless the house is built by the Lord, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchmen watch in vain, right? All of our efforts are of naught. It's what God does that's important. And the important thing for us on the first day of the rest of our life, on the first day of the week, any time, is to get in sync with what God's doing and not worry about what we want to do and how we think it should be. So the angels reminded the women 
that you're not going to find anybody here. He's not here. And Jesus reminded us of that too, right? Jesus said what in John chapter 8? He said, of myself I am nothing, right? It's the Father who works in me that does the works. Or going back to my favorite character in the Bible, you know, Jesus accepted. I'm not, I'm not. Jonah, you know what it says in, in uh, Proverbs 16.33? That's one everybody knows, right? It says, the lot is cast, but the disposition thereof is in the hands of the Lord. And good old Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1 there, it says, they cast the lot and the lot fell upon Jonah, right? God had told Jonah something to do, and Jonah refused to do it the first time. He did come to his senses, but let us never forget that God is sovereign, God's in charge. Everything's okay. It may look disrupted, but forget about it. God's in charge. God's in charge always has been, always will be. Now, when the angels were talking to the women about Jesus not being there, I love the way they put it, right? Why do you look for the living among the dead? This is another great question. We all should keep before us as we go on our way, you know, as we continue in our life. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And, of course, I think most of you would probably say, well, I don't seek the living among the dead, and I would, I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ. In fact, you all know, you know, one of my constant refrains, I would argue that you seek the living among the dead the majority of the time you watch TV. I think that's exactly what you're doing. You're seeking the living among the dead. I would argue that anytime you look for meaning in life outside of what God has instructed us, that you're seeking the living among the dead. God and God's kingdom is reality, period, writ large. When we look for solutions, when we look for comfort, when we look for meaning anywhere else, we're seeking the living among the dead. There are a lot of dead folks around us. Now, it's our, it's our place to help instill life in these people, or as Jesus said, right, to sow the seeds. We're to go out there and sow the seeds. So we can't reject everyone outright. Don't misunderstand my words. We have to, we have to go out and talk to the dead, but we shouldn't seek counsel from them. 
as Jesus. We were talking about Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus is one of the, one of the people that's mentioned in scriptures that, that went to Pilate to get the body of Jesus, to put Jesus in the tomb after he was crucified. Jesus' famous conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and the scripture that even the umpires in Major League Baseball know, right? is there in John chapter 3, but Jesus said something else in John chapter. He said several other things in John chapter 3, as a matter of fact. But one of the important things he said was that has to do with seeking the living among the dead is John 3.20. In John 3.20, Jesus said, whoever does wicked things, right? Whoever does wicked things hates the light and avoids it, right? Wow. Wow. That's pretty serious. And then, of course, Jesus' own disciples, right? As we already witnessed by the women showing up with their aloes and whatever that morning, the disciples themselves remember when not five minutes, not five minutes after Peter tells Jesus that he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God, right? Jesus says, well, you know, they're going to they're gonna kill me, and things aren't going to turn out so, so well or so it appears. And Peter starts rebuking Jesus, right? Not a good thing to do. If anybody's thinking about doing that, it's, it's, it's never a good idea. It's never a good idea. And we laugh, yet sometimes we all do in the things that we choose to do. We're really rebuking Jesus. He said to him, get behind me, Satan, right? Even his own disciples, Jesus called Satan at times, the adversary, the adversary. And Jesus also told us in John 8, 44 about Satan, right? What did he say? Talk about seeking the living among the dead. He said he is a murderer, and the truth is not in him. The truth is not in him. The angels go on to tell the women there at the tomb that he told you he told you what, and when he was in Galilee what was going on. Weren't you listening to his words, right? Or maybe you were, you know, my poor wife, you know, she thinks I don't listen to her, you know. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure some of you have, many of you out there have husbands who have bad hearing like I do, or so it seems, but, but we all do that. And again, we tend, I think we tend to do that the most because we misunderstand this, this great gift that God gave us of free will. God gave us the gift of free will, but we let that go to our heads, right? We let it go to our heads, and we think we've got a better idea than God does. And, you know, I know it says I really shouldn't do this, but... You know, just this once, it'll be okay. Or I only do this when I'm on vacation, right? Or I only do it six days a week, you know? 
I don't, you know, I would never do that on Sunday, right? We don't always listen to the Lord's words, right? Just like good old, good old Saul, right? Y'all remember Saul, Israel's first king. Samuel had to go to Saul and say, what? Samuel says to Saul, he says, I'm not going to go with you. Why? Because you didn't listen to the word of the Lord. And he says, because you rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord is rejecting you as king of Israel, right? Now, the women weren't particularly, I don't believe, rejecting the word of the Lord, but they hadn't really listened to him, had they? You know, back there, it's, it, it, it's, it's recorded at least, it's, I don't know how many times. I need to count that sometime. The times that Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, be in the tomb for three days, and then resurrected, right? He told them that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 9. He told them that in Mark chapter 9. Told him that in Luke chapter 9 also, that he was going to be resurrected. So what business did any of his disciples have going to the tomb? None. If they were listening to his words. If they were listening to his words. So this morning, as we're celebrating his resurrection, which was the absolute proof that he had victory over sin and death. I want us to remember a few of his other words, right? A few of his words that he said on the night before he was crucified. He said, what? He said, a new commandment do I give you, you know? John 13, 35. A new commandment do I give you that you love one another the way that I love you. Those are the words he told us to follow, right? And he said, what? He said, if you follow my words, you'll have abundant life. Again, you don't get it from all these other places or all these other people who think they've got things figured out. You get it from listening to God and God's Word. That's where you get it. That's how you get it. And that's how you live it. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. What did he do? He put himself aside, it says. The Scripture tells us that Scripture tells us that God created the world through Jesus, right? Jesus could do literally anything he wanted to do, but he chose to walk around with us and take the form of a servant and put himself aside completely, aside to the point of dying, right? He said, follow me, follow me. 
you know. If you want life, so you get life. We see, we, we see it. We miss it. We miss it. We miss it, right? Life doesn't come after denial or after seeking the truth in places where you don't find it. Life comes after death. That's where the resurrection comes in. That's what Jesus showed us. He died to himself. He died to everything. And he has life forevermore. Forevermore. So this morning, the first day of the rest of your life, the first day of the week, I want us to think about that. As it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever you think is more important than living the Word of God, you have an opportunity to change that today. Just like old Jonah, when that, when that fish threw him up on the beach, I bet he was a sight. It says very clearly, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We serve a God that gives us second and third and seven times 70 chances. But if we want to see God working, if you want to see resurrection life exhibited around you all the time, then you do what he said. You do what he said, and you listen to him. You listen to him. And if you're doing that, I'll just say, if you're doing that, you probably won't have any resentments in your life. If you're doing that, you won't have any jealousy in your life. If you're doing that, you won't have any fear in your life. Perfect love casts out fear. If you're doing that, you won't have any despair in your life. You'll just have life. So the good news is this is the first day of the week. This is a day when you can join in the eternal life that was made possible through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? So go in peace. And remember, this is a happy day as all days should be happy days. And as you do that, do it with the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.